episode 169 of Friend Film, where you bring the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is Shazam. As always, I'm your host, Cooper, this week I'm joined by Josh Daly. Hello, everyone. Hello, Cooper. How's it going? Good. Fantastic. That's great to hear. Um, the NCAA tournament is over. It will, well, not yet. It is it is, over it is, as it's, of today. It's ending tonight. Yes. As of you hearing this, mm-hmm. listener. Correct. And so with it, later this week, we'll be ending our um, tournament participation mm-hmm. with the sci-fi films. Um, the polls are still going on. They're, they're closed. They're closed. So we'll be discussing those polls when we do our big question wrap-up. And factoring them in, possibly, maybe, if I, we yeah, like the results. Possible tiebreakers, <laughs> potentially. Great. What if they're tied? Well, then I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to just have to, Hopefully, like, we are all on the same page. Break a pool stick in half. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do Dark Joker style. style. Yeah. <laughs> See who comes out on top. Oh, my gosh. Well, all right. Those Twitter polls, you can see those results on our Twitter, obviously, at Friends and Film. And you can check out our earlier shows where we talk about some of those sci-fi movies that we are rating and ranking mm-hmm. um, earlier on Apple Podcasts, as well as movies we've seen, too, as on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. But if you can on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. That'll ultimately help rank us, and then we can find more friends of the show. That's correct. Um, and yeah, before we dive into Pet Cemetery, not Pet Cemetery this week, Shazam is this week. This is our review. Uh, we both watched something. I just gave away what I watched this week. That wasn't an MCU movie. I just uh, went and checked out the Pet Cemetery remake uh, or reimagining, I guess you could say, because mm-hmm. it has some very uh, major differences from the Stephen King novel and also the original movie as well. So uh, I thought it was generally fine, good performances. But it didn't really scare me, and I think the themes of dealing with grief and family uh, probably could have been heightened a little more. Um, and because if I would have had a, a more of an emotional connection to the family, to the characters, I think it would have helped the movie greatly sell a lot of what happens. Um, not to spoil anything, but like you know, there's just moments that you need to like really care, other than just like oh, somebody died. Like I need I need to care about that person and why they died more than just like the human nature of, well, somebody died. Like if you could have improved upon that, discussed what it meant to die more, um, what mm-hmm. happens after you die dealing with that as well. I just think there are ways that pet cemetery could have improved upon itself. I mean, it looks, it looks really good. Um, and it, but it also includes one movie, uh, tactic that I just generally do not like as well, which is not totally a spoiler, but it's just where like the movie begins with showing you the ending kind of, I'm just like I don't like why'd you, why'd you have to do that because now now that's what I'm thinking about of where the, how we're gonna get to there the inevitability yeah and just like just let me start off with not knowing where this is going even though I think I would have had a general understanding of where it's gonna go anyways um, but yeah I mean it's fine I would give it like three ticket stubs but huh. it's it's not nothing you need to rush out to go see in my opinion but it's also this is not made for me necessarily I'm not the horror thriller aficionado mm-hmm. um, so. I mean, if that's up your alley, go check it out. Anything other, any other positive to it? Um, the the girl, I don't know her name. She was really good, as well as the mom. The performances are really good across the board. I mean, um, every everybody, Jason Clark, um, the old guy who I can't think of his name for some reason, John Lithgow. Yeah, uh, they're all they're all really good. But I think you just needed more from them to really care. So okay, fair enough, fair enough. Fair what enough. about you? Um, this week I found myself watching Fiddler on the Roof, the 1971 adaption of the 
Broadway play that was adapted from um, just a collection of stories from yonder times. And it's important to note how exceptionally made it is from beginning to end. It is hilarious. The music is perfect to life. If I were a rich man and matchmaker, and as well as, you know, the classic Sunrise Sunset are wonderful. And just to watch... Just to watch um, Topol, who plays TF, the dad, the mm-hmm. big jolly guy that who you'll see gift a thousand times over if you were looking in the right places, is just he is magnetic on screen and just he just weighs the movie with with like levity but also seriousness and energy that makes it like so wonderful in like all those ways and it, I don't know about like musicals like but I get it. Like, this is, like, the one where I watched and I'm like, I see why people love musicals on, like, you know, and on film. Because it usually wasn't, like, like my thing. But it's, like, so good all the way through. I was watching trivia and everything like that and couldn't help but laughing when I learned that Norman uh, Jewison, who is the director for this movie that's basically about Jewish life and culture in mm-hmm. Europe, um, like, was, like, specifically told the people who had hired him, he's like, you guys know I'm not Jewish, right? <laughs> and I just thought that was, like, absurdly hilarious. Um, and it's a perfect movie oh. from beginning to end, like, cinema, cinema, cinematically, um, entertainingly, all the way through. All right. I love every part of it. Well, good recommendation. I've not seen Trillet on the Roof, so maybe I'll need to go check it out. Is it streaming anywhere? Oh, probably or... not because it's that good. Um, <laughs> you just own it or? it was. I think it was on TV. Oh, okay. So, um, and I don't know how it came on, but it came on. I'm like, oh, I'm watching this. <laughs> okay, well, Fiddler I'll, I'll be on the lookout, I guess, for it. And the answer to your question is if it's streaming anywhere, it is playing on Prime. Maybe huh. that's where I was watching it. I didn't actually click you don't play. Remember. It, we didn't actually click play, but it was on the came on family room wise. I'm like, I'll stay here for this. Let's go. <laughs> Amazon Prime. Okay. Well, there you go. Fill on roof on Amazon Prime. Pet Cemetery out in theaters right now. As is Shazam, the newest DC movie coming out of Warner Brothers. And uh, you know, I wrote up a review for Friends and Film uh, that is on our website, friendsfilm.wordpress.com, uh, where I just basically. Uh, praise the movie endlessly of just how good it is because it's just a a, truly a big win for dc um as over the last several years whether you like the snyder stuff or not uh this is so drastically not those movies and it is clear that this is part of walter hamada's uh vision to change the brand for dc to make them something that is uh, more family friendly and in doing so gives us in my opinion the funniest live action dc movie that has ever hit the screen uh it is just from i guess not from right the beginning but from basically the prologue and on mm-hmm. it is uh just pitch perfect it strikes a really nice tone with just how funny it is but then there's also some dark elements to it which is a credit to David S. Sandberg, the director who comes from a horror background he brings in some some scarier elements some darker elements and uses those to the film's advantage, um, but then also make sure to still bring in that humor that never is overbearing and never takes away from the dramatic moments of the movie. It's always used at the necessary juncture uh, junctures. Um, but beyond the, 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 the comedy, all of those performances are, all those jokes are delivered by Zachary Levi or Asher angel or uh, Jack Dylan Grazer or any of the, uh, the foster kids. And, Every single one of them, they're so excellently cast. I thought Levy was, or Levi, uh, was 
just so great as the grown-up, uh, perfect version of Billy Batson that he was just cracking jokes left and right. He brought to life what I would imagine I would be like if I was a super, if I was a teenager who suddenly had these same abilities, where he is just all of a sudden full of confidence and charisma, and he's out there, you know, singing "Lightning with My Hands" and just like doing all of these like. Mm-hmm. just bizarre but funny and endearing things and learning about his superpowers and i think the movie does a really great job of bringing shazam into the 21st century and specifically into 2019 with the teen angle of showing all right well what would happen if a couple of teenagers in philadelphia like got these one of them got these powers and now the other one's managing them well they're gonna you know go buy beer or try to buy beer <laughs> test that out doesn't go well they're gonna go to a gentleman's club they're going to try to increase the popularity of their superhero to make them famous by doing superhero testing and putting those up on YouTube and becoming yeah. viral sensations. And I thought that it was all just so handled so smartly that um, it's really, again, just a credit to Sandberg, the producer, Peter Safran, uh, Walter Hamada, who oversaw the whole thing uh, that this movie just goes as well as it does. Uh, Jack Dylan Grazer, I thought was in many ways, the best part of the movie. He is the heart. Uh, even though he's not the main character, he, uh, he get, delivers probably one of my favorite moments of the entire movie. He's just basically calling out and being like, of course I, w- I would love these powers. Like nobody notices me because I'm just the crippled foster kid. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, yeah. like that, that just really, it really just tugs at the heartstrings in that moment. And I think there is, there's, there are some like hiccups for the movie, but in a lot of ways, um, Shazam overall is just so darn enjoyable that I'm like, more willing to forgive a lot of them like mm-hmm. it starts a little slow i think billy isn't the most likable kid which can kind of make the first 30 to 40 minutes of the movie a little longer than i think i would have liked in an ideal world but again once once that movie hits its stride shazam is just non-stop fun there's a ton of jokes there's a lot of heart the foster family are so good whether yeah. it's the parents or the kids especially darla uh she is just adorable and brings so much uh enthusiasm to the movie that is it's it is much needed um the score is excellent by benjamin wallfish Uh, he brings in some classic uh kind of like 80s feel to the whole thing which i thought was a really nice touch and uh savannah as well i thought he was a really strong villain for the movie because he's in many ways the counter he's the opposite of billy batson where they both have lost family in some ways Mm -hmm. but then once they have these powers they use them for completely different purposes. And I think that's just a really good part of this movie as well. And uh, yeah, it is obviously I'm just gushing about this movie. And while there are some flaws that I can acknowledge, uh, I give it four and a half digga stubs out of five. Uh, one of my favorite movies of the year so far. Yeah. I think I'm going to echo a lot of what you just said there. Um, Shazam is like this perfect family comedy movie that it can, it is perfect of a family comedy that can exist within a superhero uh format mm-hmm. it's it's actually unfortunate that this is like a you know this has to be a superhero movie at the end of the day because everything between that prologue where they're like our villain needs it but where they set up, up a villain backstory mm-hmm. and a as much as it is like just a cgi mashup fest near the end not mashup fest at the end, but really just like some ultra mindless action near the end. Um, Everything else in the middle is epic and fun 
and or not epic, it's epically fun. There mm-hmm. we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from beginning to end. Um, like you said, Asher Angel um, is a good Billy Batson, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But of course, he's not really doing any of the work. He, a lot of his personality is actually brought out through Zachary Levi when he comes around to that. That's who we imagine Billy Batson to be. But when they br- bring us back down to the kid himself, it's like, eh, not really doing a whole lot. Right. And, I, <laughs> and so I, it's, I, like, <laughs> it's like it's turbocharged the acting and everything mm-hmm. like that. So there's like this disparity between them. And then any, so anytime we need those like core emotions or like this, his emotional story to be carried out, it's like, oh, it's really unfortunate that Asher Angel has to be the one to like deliver those things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a kid. Right. So not that he, he can't totally deliver that, it. but it's. Yeah. Just Levi's just so good that and, I wish he was just him the whole time. Right. And like, like, and like you said, Jack Dylan Glazer is way better of an actor. And it, and in some ways it's good that he had to carry a lot of the emotional weight mm-hmm. for him, the fan the foster family and everything like that, because it connects the entire way through um, the playing like the exact opposite of the kid. He isn't it. And so as he's kind of like working through like, you know, that should have been me type emotions throughout it. You're like, yeah, it really should have. Number one, Asher Angel isn't that great of acting. Like Jack Dylan Glazer should be in this role. And I just thought that was kind of like a funny disparity. And you really hits home like on those notes. I'm like, yeah, I kind of resent this movie for not letting it be that kid. But if that was the case, then we would have seen a lot less of Jack. And I think he's so good as Freddie to bring out the heart, the humor, and all of those different interests. For sure. But it was like the movie sort of, it made me resent the movie's choices and the script's choices. That, and that's how good he is in that role all the way through. But this movie is just so explicit. Like, why, broader strokes here. The movie is so freaking funny all the way through to the point where it doubles down on all of the physical comedy. I think it'll you'll let you return to it for secondary laughs. That's not quips. It's just full bore. We have these jokes and these things that can, you know, stand up to, you know, all sorts of gags and humor. Mm-hmm. Um, like you were kind of like running through here. And I thought all of that's perfect. Mark strong. I love the guy. His villain's terrible. You don't like him? Awful. All the way through. Anytime he was on screen, I was just, like my heart broken because it's not it's not what I care about at all. There's a great story that's it's unfortunate there has to be a villain because I think Billy Batson working through his own things could have been better. Um, a lot of the way through. You mentioned the Foster family though. Oh my goodness, like a warm hug as soon as they arrived on screen. You want to be a part of that family, and it only they only get better from the first time you meet them mm-hmm. all the way up and through until the end, which was perfect. Um. And that's really, like, it is the perfect pivot point for the DC movies. That's for sure. Whatever else will come after it, I, I'm, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt for in terms of just, like, you know, experimentation, try new things. It's really weird that David Sandberg is the one who directed this movie when he's really had only, like, two big pictures well, and yeah, he had, he, had, he had Lights Out and then Annabelle Creation. Yeah. Or was it the other way? Annabelle mm-hmm. Creation then Lights Out? Lights Out, Annabelle Creation. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, I think that's right. And none of those were indicative of what this movie could look like. Um, but of course, like the screenwriters, Henry Gaden and Darren Lemke, like have that family comedy background with them. Um, Lemke's written like ghost, Goosebumps movies. Oh, okay. So total help there. And so I think that kind of adds to it. And so, but overall, though, I would give it 
three and a half out of five ticket subs. Okay. But terrific. All right. Absolutely. So let's uh, move into spoilers then so we can talk about uh, some other details of the movie. Josh, where do you want to start off with? Uh, I'm thinking like what I loved about the movie first. Okay. Sounds good. I, good place to start. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's specifically the comedy in this thing and how, and, and how much it just is ready to have fun. It's, there is no real plot in the center of it as much as it is like, what are we going to do to have fun with these heroes? And how can we like loosely tie it into like their journey? And that's kind of where um, the conflict between Billy and Freddie like comes out, Mm -hmm. but it's also just like where you're having a blast, like all the way through. And from the very beginning, like the powers of the lightning um, and like the laser fingers and all of like the, the ideas of like what it's like to create a superhero today when it's so much, like so much of the culture in the movie is informed by superheroes as well. Mm-hmm. Cause that's not something we get to see at all. And it makes every joke funnier when there's a Batman reference, there's a Superman reference. There's, I don't know. Uh, there's Wonder Flash Man, reference. there's Aquaman. Right. Yeah. Like all of those like inform the movie. And I think that's what makes it funnier because we haven't had that in any other superhero films outside of Deadpool, but which is largely like a satirical approach to mm-hmm. like the movies and I just find it so much, which is, it's having a laugh of like what you know about superhero movies. Yeah. This is what you can enjoy about them, mm-hmm. but also like from our point of view in a world where superheroes exist. Right. But there's also still like that meta superhero, like those jokes that happen in Shazam. Like one of my favorite jokes of the whole movie is during the final fight when, you know, Savannah and Shazam are you know, miles apart in the middle of the city and Savannah's delivering his big evil speech yes. and we're like, oh, this is menacing. Like, he is really just giving it all to Shazam and then you, we cut to Shazam and he's a mile or two away and he's mm-hmm. just like, what? What are you saying? Right. I, I can't hear you. I'm just like, that's like genius. Like, because how many times have we seen that in whether well, super movies, just movies in general where people are spread across, you know, vast uh you know there's just so they're separated by a large distance and then mm-hmm. but they're like screaming back and forth it's like that like that would not be that would not happen like you wouldn't be able to tell what's happening with cars below making noise just the natural sounds that happen around but like yeah you're still about to like oh really embrace and like it really just cuts down savannah be like like sure like you may have evil intentions i guess but like nobody knows that they are mm-hmm. yeah and like that is, that is like it is the one saving grace of these like final acts where it becomes something different is that it's still punctuated with some of those really good bits Mm -hmm. and Zachary Levi crushes it there. You I'm also hearing Flynn Rider during that entire (laughs) moment. I'm like, this this is so him in so many ways that it was fantastic. Um, But yeah, like it's like it does, it does get like puncture some of those things, but also in and of itself um, just thoroughly enjoyable all the way through. Yeah. Since we're mentioning the final act kind of, I've already seen this movie a second time, and mm-hmm. this one thing that really stuck out to me on a, on another viewing was um, the setting of Philadelphia. I think is what they call the festival uh, for the final fight. Oh, yeah, because what I didn't realize the first time, and I don't know if you caught this already or, or not, but the Philadelphia festival is the same place that Billy lost his mom at yeah. all those years ago, and so I was just I thought that was a really nice way to bring it all like bring it full circle where he lost his family there years ago and has been on a journey ever since then to Mm -hmm. find his original family again. 
But then when he realizes that his mom doesn't want him anymore, then he realizes that when he's back in that same setting a decade later, that he has a new family. And that's when he accepts the foster family as his real family for the first time to become the Shazam family. And I just really thought that was a great, like, but like, obviously whether it's obvious or not, or maybe I'm just an idiot who didn't notice it the first time, uh, a really nice way to bring this all back together to tie it into how Billy became obviously who he is now. Yeah. 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 That, that's a really great point. I'm like kind of remarking what you said for earlier. Was it, when was the moment in the movie? Did you realize it before the story told us that Billy's mom had kind of just abandoned him after she had lost him? I mean, I don't know. I wasn't really, I guess I wasn't really thinking about whether or not she was out there looking for him. I mean, I just took it as, I mean, yeah, you don't lose a, a four year old in a carnival and then just, not find not him. find him again mm-hmm. um but then when they obviously show it from her perspective and that she just like sees him there and is like you know a couple feet away and could have got him back and then she decides not to like it, it's still heartbreaking but yeah. it's also some man like don't really like you anymore <laughs> yeah there's some hard doses of like reality uh-huh. like that punctuate some of these things and then and asher to, to um asher angel's credit he does good he does fine selling it mm-hmm. but um you there it'll it knocks you down yeah um especially when he finds his mom again but you know, that is a really great point about what we're lost and where found is and mm-hmm. also those two different points of view where in his mind as a child yeah when he got lost it was this kind of glorified mm-hmm. sunny she's quippy and yeah, funny she's like, to oh, him she's like, mom's not going pro here honey uh-huh. and then when you see it from her so she's like she's like I'm not going pro, Billy. Like, right. Like, give me a break. Like, all but chain smoking right. and, you know, pulling a flask out of her bag yeah. and taking a swig type of a thing. So that, that, that was a really interesting juxtaposition, like, all the way through, which I thought was, like, a really clever, you know, script detail mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but getting to the family that he finds, um, what really, like, made me think I really wish it had been um, Freddy getting powers not... Billy, Billy was the like, f- but this made it a little bit better when it happened was the arrival of the full Shazam family mm-hmm. as it's called. I think. Yeah. I mean, okay. like in the, the comics, they're technically like the Marvel family. Cause it's Captain Marvel Shazam's original name, but mm-hmm. you know, you can't call them the Marvel family. <laughs> so, right. Uh, <laughs> copyright or whatever the reasons are. Um, so yeah, they're the Shazam family or the Shazam as some people have been calling them. It was very fun. It was, um, when, all of those um, other personalities like came to life mm-hmm. for them and it just became an ensuing battle for all of them to kind of like basically be, be superheroes and find their ways. And nobody's was more satisfying than Freddy's, but nobody's was more delightful than Darla's. Oh my gosh. Um, particularly like, you know, her, her discovery of powers, but also just that idea of still childlike wonder, especially like when saving Santa Claus from like one of the <laughs> raging seven deadly sin monsters. And she's like, my name's Darla. I've been really good this year. And he's just like, what? And right. By the way, she's, uh, Santa Claus ending the movie with uh, several, you know, bleeped obviously, but F bombs mm-hmm. to the radio station. I was like, that's, that was pretty funny. It was, it was, yeah, I think it was like the, it was the perfect gag just to end the thing being totally pointless, but yeah. hilarious to have Santa Claus dropping F bombs live on TV. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I do really through. like the, the Shazam family aspect of it. Not only because like Adam Brody is very believable as an older, uh, Freddie Freeman, but also just like the way that they handle that transformation happening, whether it's delivering, all right, say my name. So you guys can get like, 
Billy. And it's like, no, say the name I have to say. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, I thought that was really well done. But also, they when the smoke starts clearing, we just see Freddy's brace just fall to the ground. And you're like, mm-hmm. like yeah. immediately, you're just like, yes. Like, here we go. And, uh, you know, he's just quipping the whole time of like, oh, you know, this is my first, uh, you're the first villain I've ever fought, so this is a big deal for me, but also mm-hmm. I've studied the arts of every fighting technique of every superhero that's ever lived, so I'm pretty good at this, and then he just runs away, and I just thought it was so well done, and it all, Asher and Zachary kind of play Billy Batson uh, differently. Mm-hmm. I want to be off on my own. I don't need anybody else, and then Zachary. He's the colder side. Right, yeah. but then Zach is like, oh, I, I, love being a, I love being me, I love being a hero, like I'm just embracing all this kind of stuff. I thought that was kind of further shown why that was the case with the Shazam family, where like all of a sudden, um, uh, Pedro, uh, when he gets his powers, he's not you know uh, a shy, not really talkative guy anymore. He's all of a sudden be like, oh my gosh, like like I just think that just shows like the powers that they get are more than just like the the wisdom of Solomon or the speed of Mercury or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they all also get like self confidence to be like oh, like, this is, like, who I am. I mean, obviously, like, they're all going to go back to the regular selves and not be superheroes, but I would like to see in, like, a sequel or something gives them all, like, an added boost of, like, no, like, I can be who I am and not, like, have to worry about... That's a pre- I think that's a fair point, especially to the, the beginning of the, the Billy Bats that we meet in the beginning versus who he is, like, in the end. Mm-hmm. But also, I feel I just felt like there could have been one or two more steps up where Asher Angel is being a little bit more, I don't want to say lighter, but he's still like, he's still like carrying a burden. Um, but maybe it's the attention that he's getting on the street. Like there's a couple of things that I guess you can wash over. Yeah. But there is an, in- I think there is an inconsistency, whether or not it's totally fair or not. Yeah. I no, I, th- yeah, I think that's fair. Cause like you, you see him, you know, you're going to be like, Darla, you don't have to hug me all the time. Like we're not really brother and sister. And you're like, dude, like, why do you got to do that? <laughs> that was, that is, like I said, those like gut punch moments where you're just like, oh, like, why would you say that, yeah. man? And like, like to his credit, he like recognizes like instantly after, but you know, you, you taking it through from there, it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, poor kid. Yeah. And while we're still talking about the finale kind of, mm-hmm. that is where even, even though I guess we differ on how much we like Savannah's villain. Cause I, I thought he was pretty good and you did not like him at all. I thought he, when he was at his worst was in the finale, even though like he's the butt of that, my favorite joke in the movie, potentially that's where he like starts doing dumb villain things of like, all right, I've got you all surrounded. Give me your powers. And he's like, Bill's like, okay, like I'll, I'll accept. And then he takes away the, the sin. So that way the kids are no longer captive. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Obviously he's going to like turn that against you and like defeat you now. And it's just like, you gotta like, why are you doing these dumb things? Cause before I thought whether you liked the performance or not, I thought at least Savannah as a villain was doing and making like logical decisions. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, like, it's just, there's just, it's not, I don't know. Um, a lot, a lot from the beginning is like, okay, he was bullied as a kid and he, something was given to him, but then taken away, Mm -hmm. um, through no fault of his own. Like he's being tempted with power. Right. Perhaps unfairly by um Dimage Henson's mm-hmm. uh character like he's like the whole point is no one's passing up to the point where that temptation is removed and so like nobody pure of heart exists because who's gonna say no to like power when you have none absolutely yeah and you're not guaranteed to get it from him so you're gonna go get it anywhere else and so I thought that was like really interesting um and so like I like that idea 
like, but it's just brought around. But after he, you know, gets what he wants, um, in the end, it's just sort of like, oh, he's going to get revenge. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, now I just have to go knock down Billy Batson and we lose why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. Um, it just, it's just personal revenge because he just walks into that boardroom, mm-hmm. throws his brother out the window, lets his dad get eaten by, uh, pride, greed, greed, greed. Yeah. And then it's just nothing from him the rest of the way through. Mark Strong's like good at being villainous. Like mm-hmm. he's got that down, but just the character and anytime he came up on screen, I was just totally bored. Yeah. The entire way. That's fair. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to argue and say, you know, Savannah is one of the best films I've ever seen on screen or anything, but you know, I thought he served his purpose. Right. Um, it's very much just the, the aloof, distant, cold. And it's it's hard to like take in a super, take in a super villain when you we've seen Michael B. Jordan on screen. You know, <laughs> there's yeah. there's a liveliness that's missing now. I guess that's fair. Um, but this is the first DC movie that does not have, in this new era, I suppose, since mm-hmm. Man of Steel, that has Zach, does not have Zack Snyder's name anywhere near it. Correct. I mean, maybe near it, but not on it. Yes, I, um, I don't think he was involved at all with it. No producing, no writing. This is all Hamada, Sandberg, mm-hmm. and the all of the other players. Well, and not only is it not Snyder, but it's also this is the movie that got Walter Hamada the head of DC Films' job because of was him developing the movie beforehand. They liked what they saw even before filming finished maybe it had begun at that point that's like this guy like understands what like we should be doing and understands where wb wants the franchise to go whether Mm -hmm. you like it or not to be more family friendly but also still have the ability to go a potentially darker route with the joker movie or something and i think it shows after seeing the movie uh that like they're making the right choices and even though he wasn't the guy who greenlit aquaman he was still overseeing aquaman through the final stage of development a movie that at that point was going through the jeff johns era the uh, era before him and now Walter Mata. So like there was a lot of different iterations of the Aqua movie and it mm-hmm. came out, I think closer resembling the Shazam tone, the Shazam universe and how I think the DC movies will look kind of moving forward for the most part. So yeah, I mean where the Snyder era is basically gone now. Yeah. And was there anything like the particular, like th- though he's gone, there are still some, I guess like, you know, motifs of his yeah. that are still there and I, I don't know if it's just the color grading like or that kind of like mood and atmosphere still mm-hmm. there. But everything else I think is really washed away. Even the action in a lot of ways is very un-Snyder. I mean... In a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, yes. But there's also still like those like kind of callbacks to the Zod versus Superman fight where mm-hmm. Shazam and Savannah are punching each other through the city. That's very reminiscent of Zod versus Superman in Man of Steel. Uh, even the shot of them shooting up into the sky uh, is very reminiscent of a shot from Man of Steel Superman flying up into the sky. And uh, you could even, I guess, compare Darla running on the Ferris wheel to like flash in justice league or something. Oh, that was a really good moment too. But like, I do, I do think for the most part, like it, it largely takes stuff away from the slow-mo action of Zack Snyder or the highly stylized action that he takes and rather just went kind of more straightforward, which I'm mm-hmm. totally fine with because I don't, the movie doesn't even have that much action to begin with. So if it's, if it's rather straightforward, like I'm, I'm pretty okay with that. Well, there is that, there is the prologue in the beginning as well. Yeah. It does have some of that slow-mo um, with a uh, little drummer boy yeah. playing. <laughs> Uh, Sarah Petition leading in the background, which is like it, like it just adds a whole 
like low key comedy to the entire mm-hmm. thing where you're watching a, a, a you know, some four door sedan do flips yeah. to do you hear what I yeah. hear and bump a bump bump. So um, I guess they didn't hear the car coming, but also the car that hit them just drove away afterwards. I was like, dude. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely. Well, the first one they get. Oh, you're right. No, that the first, truck. the first one they miss and then they spin out. And then the second one that hits them, they just like, they break for a little bit. But then when you, they show the next scene, like the, that truck's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so probably like that person's like, well, I maybe maybe he was drinking that night. Like I just don't mm-hmm. you know don't want to get caught, so I'm just gonna drive by, keep going. <laughs> I was definitely surprised. Did not expect that dad to be alive. Oh yeah, I was like, I'm like, well, I thought pretty sure I thought that guy dude was dead. They they play it off like he died for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so that's like really the movie. Yeah, it is. Um, but we do have like a pretty great gag at the end, which mm-hmm. kind of fits into all of the Cavill Superman talk that. Uh, I guess it's still unresolved. Yes, it is. We had a we had a saga over the summer, I believe. You know, regarding him, mm-hmm. and we kind of saw, see how it plays out, where Freddie is like desperate to have Shazam show up, you know, at lunch to prove that he knows the kid, um, and Shazam brings along with him a faceless Superman. Yes, <laughs> and like as soon as I saw that, like all of the dots connected for me. I'm like. There's the cameo they wanted Cavill for that he held out on. Mm-hmm. And definitely makes sense why he wanted, like, they said, no, we don't want to make this, you know, one of your appearances as Superman. Because it's a, it's a nothing role. It's walking into frame right. once. And then after, like, it's still up in the air at this mm-hmm. point. Because, yeah, we don't see his face. It's reminiscent of the justice league costume but i think there's also like some small changes to the design Mm -hmm. so it's open so that way if henry cavill doesn't want to come back then they can recast and move forward and basically decanonize the snyder verse in a lot of ways and just move forward with aquaman and beyond and that's those are the movies that really count uh and that's what we're really going to focus on Mm -hmm. but then also if you know, The Witcher's a huge hit next year where if it drops on Netflix then or something else happens with Cavill or they just, he sees Shazam, he's like, I, you know what, I really want to be a part of this again. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what, let's let's make this work. Obviously that won't count, but even if he does want to return, I guess, the, the hiccup just stands of the sequel to Man of Steel because uh-huh. that, that's what he wants more than anything is he wants another Superman movie. So if that's not in WB's plans, then I think it, we are still aiming more on the side of, we're going to get a recasting at some point, but mm-hmm. either way, I like, I like the, the Easter egg, even though it's not really an Easter egg at the end. I like, I like the tag of just showing that Shazam has become noticed <laughs> in some ways and has met Superman. They're buddies. It opens up the door for Superman or another justice league member to appear in the sequel potentially. And, you know, after seeing uh, Zachary Levi's performance, uh, I would love to see like him and Jason Momoa bro it up or see him like just fall head over heels for Wonder Woman. If she was standing in front of him, like mm-hmm. there's so many great gags uh, that they could do with this character uh, with other just league characters that uh, I am really holding out hope that, you know, something happens soon. Yeah, absolutely. And it just like, I mean, I don't know who was like the, the, that got a laugh in the theater and I don't know if they fully appreciated how funny that was to just have a headless Superman, you yeah. know, in the entire thing. But I think it also like punctuates like, Oh, these are still kids or whatever yeah. the case is. So like it works on that level, but also just like the whole narrative behind it was too funny to ignore. Yeah all the way through. But speaking of like Shazam, 
um, and what he's doing next. The movie leaves us with an idea of what's to come. Yes. There's a post-credit scene, or there's a mid-credit scene and a post-credit scene. The mid-credit scene has Dr. Savannah in prison, scribbling, uh, you know, the seven signs, I think, of the seven sins or the seven symbols of Shazam or there's some symbols. I don't know what they are. Uh, on open the, doors. Yeah. On the wall of his prison cell that he is now trapped in. And this is after he's lost his, his eye, obviously, and a voice appears and it turns out it is Mr. Mind, a caterpillar that is also an alien from outer space who is an ancient race that uh, mentions that he's the one who created uh, and named the gods. And like he's been around for obviously millennia at this point. And it teases a team up between Mr. Mind and Savannah for Shazam 2. Uh, this is this a route you're cool with? I have no idea <laughs> what the route is. Like, it was just weird to see the caterpillar, which they did show a point mm-hmm. of like showing us once and then showing us gone. Yes. Afterwards, so I'm like, oh, it's I have, that's important, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I have no idea. It's just weird to see a caterpillar as like you know the mastermind of the heavens and everything yeah. like that. So I mean, however that can play out we'll see but it's just like okay yeah i mean i would just this is just a guess of mine but it'll the sequel could be obviously they'll be teaming up in some form Mm -hmm. and they want to continue to open up the magic again and use magic again and i would assume that would probably lead them to like black adam or something and then we set up Black Adam, the first movie, or Black Adam, the sequel, or mm-hmm. uh, Shazam 3, and they cross paths then or something. Who we do get a vague allusion to mm-hmm. in the movie, right? Um, um, the wizard. Is, yes. Is his name Shazam? His name is Shazam as well. Okay. Yes. He is yeah. the previous Shazam. The previous Shazam, the wizard, um, tells us of a previous champion that he'd given his powers to that basically betrayed them used them incorrectly yes he well they, they say he says that they that the council of wizards recklessly chose their previous champion and mm-hmm. that that champion unleashed seven deadly sins they erased entire civilization civilizations from the earth um and then ultimately killed the other six members of the council other than the older version of shazam played by jimon hansu so um that's where that's what we know i mean they don't specifically name drop and his name was black adam or his name was teth adam or whatever like they just leave it very vague but it's very clear that this took place hundreds maybe thousands of years in the past and uh is setting up that some big powerful entity that is most likely black adam previously reigned previously was corrupted and uh was we would are led to believe stopped in some form by Shazam, probably. Probably. Shazam the Wizard, probably. Yeah. I that, mean, that, that was like my indication of it. Same. Um, even though we did talk a couple weeks ago about a possible rumor about Shazam, about Black Adam, where Hawkman, Stargirl, and Atom Smasher would appear. That's right. And that's making me wonder, since they're setting up his origin here very vaguely, what if the Black Adam solo movie is also a prequel? takes place shows these events but then we learn that it's hawkman stargirl adam smasher who helped the wizard like subdue black adam in and some that way puts it in the period piece of yeah whenever whenever wherever that may be yeah a thousand years ad i don't know <laughs> in egypt 
oh, and there's the gods of man thing or the gods of whatever. That's not great. I hope that's not the case. <laughs> maybe maybe they can set it like in like medieval medieval Germany or something like that. Uh, that'd be a pretty big departure. I mean, a large part of Black Adam's character is the fact that he was an Egyptian slave and then he gets his powers and overthrows the dictators by using them. I've just seen that movie before. But either or, it's The Rock. Yeah. And it could be made entertaining under the right direction. Yeah. And, as and there's no way that there's obviously no confirmation at this point that Black Adam uh, is going to be a prequel. We have no confirmation of when it's going to even happen at this point. So there's still plenty that we would need to know before we truly make any opinions about Black Adam. Very true. Very true. But it did make me, this tease did make me excited to see Dwayne Johnson and Zachary Levi face to face in their superhero costumes, uh, hopefully facing off mm-hmm. one day. In the For future. sure. Yeah, Zachary Levi Shazam, though, we can go ahead and just put up in the pantheon of best superhero performances, I think. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that's different. Like, if you're going to put Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool up there, Shazam goes right next to them. I mean, they're probably in different categories all their own, but for sure belongs there. All right. Well, I think that's everything we have for Shazam. So on that note, I give it four and a half ticket stubs out of five. Josh gives it three and a half ticket stubs out of five. That's the end of, of our Shazam review. Let us know your thoughts on the movie as well. And then uh, we'll wrap back in a bit with the news. back with the news and as always we start with our three main topics this week staying with the dc extended universe if that's what we can call it or not uh we got a report from variety that changes what we knew about the suicide squad the sequel directed by and written by james gunn uh because they reported this week that Idris elba is not going to be playing deadshot anymore but he is still going to be in the movie he's going to be playing a different character altogether so this is obviously very strange because it comes after a rewrite has occurred that was agreed upon by James Gunn, the producers, the studio by Idris to change the character away from Deadshot mm-hmm. and then decide, oh, let's make him somebody else instead. So we don't know what that other character is going to be. I mean, I guess we could maybe backtrack it from the breakdowns, but other people are speculating that it could be a different character entirely. Um, but it also means that Will Smith could return in the future as Deadshot. But now that we don't know what Idris Elba is going to be doing in Suicide Squad, what does that what does that mean for you? It means that we don't have the slight like it means there's a bigger retooling of the squad mm-hmm. than anything else before. It means that Will Smith can return to these movies, but also and most importantly, it means no. That's what it means most importantly. Will Smith can come back, but. <laughs> Thankfully, we, Idris Elba is still in the movie because when I saw this headline, I was like, oh no, he's not in the movie. Yeah. And I had a panic attack. <laughs> or not a panic attack, but I was just like, no, that would have been, it's it's too perfect at, to have him here with James Gunn. Like, I, I got to imagine it's on his must work with, oh, with list. Um, finally getting a, a central role. 
to a superhero film. Um, and now I'm worried that he could end up just being like the villain. And I hope that's not the case. Even though he looks like he's doing a great villain this year with whatever that with Hobson Shaw. Yes, exactly. That movie. Um, so I'm confused because I don't know anything about DC villain antiheroes. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but this is, this is, the best possible news we could get when you hear the words Idris Elba isn't playing Deadshot after we've previously assumed or believed that it was reported that he was. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's our own biases, so shame on us for that. No, I mean, it was very <laughs> but, clear when the report came out that mm-hmm. Idris Elba was over. taking over Deadshot. And originally, what made that so fascinating wasn't just because they're recasting Will Smith, who is still a very recognizable movie star, but also points to the fact that Deadshot was integral to the story of the Suicide Squad. Because if you're willing to recast Will Smith, it has to be for a reason of, well, Deadshot and Deadshot alone needs to fill this role in the movie. But now that's not the case. And it's not that, oh, well, H.S. was playing a different character and Will Smith is coming back as Deadshot because scheduling change or something. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's that H.S. is still on board. Deadshot is out. Will Smith is still out. And now we're just left with a bunch of questions of, well, what what does that mean for the Suicide Squad? Because we thought we knew one thing and now we don't know another. Right. And we do know that this isn't making way for Will Smith either. He's just mm-hmm. confirmed to be on Gemini Man. Yeah. Um, I don't I mean, he's, he's been, been done on that. Yeah. So but it's now that like, movie will come out in theaters in the, the year. But I think the big holdup for his schedule is Bright 2, I think is what he's <laughs> prioritizing over... Goodness a new Suicide Squad sake. movie, but it is it is pretty crazy because right too. I know, I know. it's crazy. It, it, it is wild. I mean, sorry, that's not <laughs> um, uh, but there have been you know now that Idris Elba is out as this role. Are there ideas? There are ideas. Some people have been throwing out Bronze Tiger, who's like a martial arts character. That would be cool. Um, but if we're going off of who is already said to be in the movie based on previous breakdowns and stuff and previous lineups that have been revealed. Some people are wondering if he could be Peacemaker, the role that was originally said to be eyed for Dave Batista, but as we'll get to the flyby, Dave Batista booked a new role this week that is not the Suicide Squad, which is supposed to film around the same time as the Suicide Squad, so that would likely take him out of the running to reteam with James Gunn. He's probably less inclined to do so now that Gunn is, in fact, back for Guardians 3, so they're going to work together again in the future anyways. So, I think Peacemaker would be a, a fun, even though I don't really know much about the character, just somebody who is so pro-justice mm-hmm. that he is willing to do whatever it takes to maintain that justice. I think that sounds like a fun character for Idris to play, and if it you know, borders on that you know, same kind of look and feel of what he looks like he's going to be delivering with Hobbs and Shaw, then um, you know, even though we haven't seen that movie yet, I feel like that's a, a nice pairing for Idris and a nice little change of pace for the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Like that character has just been exciting. Like regardless, and like I think there have been a, there's a few iterations of that character where I've been like Dave Baptiste definitely plays this guy. But there are also those more like Future Man, like early Transformer esque Gundam style versions mm-hmm. where he's like from the future and like has a big armor and things like that of Peacemaker. Those would work too. Yeah. There's one where he just looks like he's like an alien with like, a, <laughs> like Buzz Lightyear basically. Okay. But either or, yeah, like it would be Idris Elba is so versatile that he could totally do this and I'd actually rather him be a character right, that he can make else. his own mm-hmm. rather than have to just basically either copy or um, 
innovate on what Will Smith had previously done. Yeah. So him being something different and new is always preferable because he's such an impressive performer. Right. As long as we're not switching Idris Elba from Deadshot to like King Shark, where we're not going to see him. We're just going to hear his voice or something. I'm totally cool. I need that man to be able to act. If he's the voice <laughs> of Dead Shark, I will riot because that would be what a waste of time. No, yeah, that'll that'll be like he'll get Vin Diesel to come in and do that or yeah, something like exactly. that. Exactly. I'd rather no, wait. That, that won't happen. That. Um, but since Dead Shark's not going to be in the movie, we all we did get confirmation uh, this week straight from Viola Davis that she will be returning uh, to the Suicide Squad um, as well. So it further muddies those waters of well, how's it a not how is it not a sequel to the previous movie when you have mm-hmm. her coming back, you have Harley coming back, you scrap Deadshot so Will Smith could still come back in the future potentially. Um, you know, like you're bringing back some other like Joel Kinnaman's been rumored on several occasions to return as Rick Flag. So you keep bringing back these characters. Why, how is it not a sequel? I don't care. I'm just glad that Viola Davis is back because she was so good as Amanda Waller in that first one. Yeah, so. absolutely. Like in, she was used a little bit incoherently. James Gunn's far from an incoherent writer or director. And so I cannot wait to see what she can do under someone that's um, a little more precise. Right. And he'll have more than six weeks to write a script as opposed to what David Ayer had. So that's right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, that is 1000% true as much as you want to like. Yeah. Yeah. As much, as much as Suicide Squad's trouble, there's trouble. There was trouble signs before the movie even started production. So the gun's energy. He's not, he's not going to let Viola Davis go to waste. No, I sure hope not. That's what I'm confident of. So, uh, Suicide Squad getting interesting updates there. Black Widow, uh, as we move over to Marvel and MCU also got some updates this week. uh, According to that, uh, the Hollywood reporter, they revealed that David Harbour has joined the cast of Black Widow and, to make things even better, David Harbour already confirmed that this is, in fact, true. So there's no speculative, well, is the deal going to fall apart? Is it not going to work? We already know that it's happening. He uh, told a couple of outlets this week that he is, in fact, joining Black Widow. And one of the reasons why he was so interested in joining this movie in particular, he said, was the chance to work with Kate Shortland, the director. So he was very impressed with the movie Lore that she directed back in 2012. So she is the reason why he is getting on board the MCU, which I found very interesting. But also, Variety reported that Rachel Wise is reportedly circling a role for the movie as well, uh, where she would play a secondary antagonist, most likely. Um, but this is still in the early stages. There's no deal yet. But it looks like it is progressing towards that point. So, Black Widow shaping up very nicely. We have Scarlett Johansson. We have Florence Pugh already on board. And now, David Harbour and probably Rachel Wise. Very nice. High-level performers from all across industries assembling into a Marvel movie. Um, Phase 12, 5? Phase 4. 4, 4. Phase 4 is looking like all of the other phases in every sense of the way. Um, David Harbour, I mean, it's it's, it's it's so funny to, like, think of this news just in terms of, like, Hellboy coming right out next horizon. week. Mm-hmm. Right, he's like, well, we can't sell the movie. What can we sell? David Harbour being in a other marvel movie yeah. that's what we need to go to and that's so confirm it man go for it run with it i just thought that yeah, was he's hilarious. like so the, like, I, just, I think it's funny that yeah the week hellboy's coming out people aren't asking him so hellboy it's coming out a couple of days got any hopes for a sequel it's not it's not any of that talk it's just so you're joining the mcu <laughs> yes great can't wait and he's now uh going from the dceu 
as he was in the suicide he was in suicide squad for a very very small role in as a government agent in a boardroom oh that's uh, right yeah to now doing hellboy to now going to the mcu so he's really just jumping around to every comic book property he can get his hands on but i think the real highlight though is definitely rachel weiss yes yeah i mean i hate myself every day for not having seen the favorite yet but i do know that she's fantastic she is so good and the lobster born legacy she's you know, it's a kind of simple oh, yeah. role, but she's there yeah, she's, um, she's and fine. good, but like, it's, it's nothing like, I know a lot of people love her from the mummy, the 1999, 2000 version. Wow. I haven't seen those in so long. Which I've not never, know they're, they're on Netflix now. And I'm like, I need to watch them to like, I've never seen disobedience. Them she is she's great. Her and Rachel dramatic. McAdams. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen the favor, her comedy, but serious tur- deadpan turn. Yeah. Um, and so this moved, to Marvel, uh, it's gonna sounds exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it just it's another credit to just how there's really doesn't seem like there's any limit to what Marvel or DC or any of these comic book movies can really get because we had Angelina Jolie last week joining the Eternals. Now this week it's David Harbor and Rachel Wise, and it's just kind of crazy that we're living in this world where these giant stars are joining. Whether it's because of David Harbor saying he wants to work with the director, or maybe it's somebody we don't know why Rachel Wise would want to join, other than hopefully the character is fascinating and complicated, and she wants to play a really cool spy character that's going to mm-hmm. go toe to toe with Scarlett Johansson potentially. Uh, whatever the reason may be, like these movies just keep getting great casts. Yeah, the prayer is that she's hopefully it's hopefully not a secondary role. Maybe that's incorrect. I don't know, but I'd love uh, yeah, to see I, the most we could get of her. Yeah, because I, because uh, I, the the main villain is supposed to be a, a, a guy potentially Andre Holland, um, and then there is supposed to be these two, this like couple, there's like couple who would be working with Holland mm-hmm. or with whoever, if it is Holland, whoever would play Wise that and role, Arbor. and it would be Wise and. Maybe it's Harbor. Maybe Harbor is some other person. I'm not entirely sure. But if they are together and play husband and wife or co-conspirators, co-spies, like that would be super fun. Mr. and Mrs. Smith or <laughs> right. um, the comedy with uh, John Ham and... Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses, wow. kind of in that style, but probably won't have that sort Hopefully of Hopefully a little humor. better than that movie, but... <laughs> that wasn't good? It was... Nah. All right, fair enough, though. Forgettable. Zach Galifianakis? Yeah, and Idris, or not Idris, <laughs> Isla uh, Fisher. Fisher. Yeah, four crazy yeah, great, great, great cast. actors, but... Ooh. Yeah, it didn't really put it all together. No, that's, that's for sure. But uh, since I mentioned Angelina Jolie joining the Eternals, she has a co-star this week, as THR also revealed that Kumail Nanjiani has joined the cast of the Eternals. What? And additionally, they reported that, according to their sources, uh, Angelina Jolie is going to indeed be playing Cersei. So uh, we speculated about what role she'd be playing last week. If it's Cersei, if it's Elysius, if it's Thena, uh, it according to them, not confirmed by Marvel. It's not confirmed by anybody else at this point. It could be Cersei. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But the big news is that our guy, Kumail Nanjiani, the uh, Oscar-winning writer behind The Big Sick. Uh, the oh, yeah, Did they win? Or was they no, just nominated? They, they were, were just nominated. nominated. Still Oscar-nominated. Uh, he's probably a future Emmy winner if he's not already. Uh, and he is just so terrific. And yeah, him joining the Eternals uh, is news that I didn't expect, even though... A couple months ago, I wrote up a, you know, cast the Eternals thing for Screen Rant. And one of the people I was considering, I was like, Kumail would be, I just feel like such a nice fit with this franchise. 
and I almost put him on my list as one of the characters, and then I took him off, and uh, I should I should have done it. Who? Well, first of all, this is great news. Um, if you haven't, if you have doubts about his dramatic abilities, go see The Big Sick. It's on Amazon. But most importantly, go to YouTube, watch him in The Comedian, where he is fantastic. Yeah, the first episode of the Twilight Zone yep. reboot by Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Utterly amazing. But now, who? Is I mean, there's not a better guy this could have happened to. Oh but yes. Who is? He's blowing up. Who is Cam- who is Camille Nanjani in your Eternals cast? Because of course, no one knows who the Eternals True. are. True. <laughs> so who could he be, and why? So the person that I was thinking about him for is a Eternal known as Makari, who is a speedster. Um, that depending on the iteration can be portrayed in a couple of different ways. The way that I'm envisioning it happening based on just the most recent or one of the more recent runs uh, for the Eternals in the comics is that they will embrace the comedic aspect, especially now that, you know, Kumail is playing the character. It leads me to believe that is mm-hmm. the case. Um, but Makari can be, obviously he can be fast moving and light on his feet with his speed abilities, but also he's uh, a quipster. And I just feel like that's right up Kumail's alley. But also he can, there's some very... There's a lot of potential for the character down the road to build up to a very important and dramatic arc where he is, um, in a lot of ways, one of the most important Eternals that are currently existing because Mm. he is connected to, um, I'm trying to remember what it is exactly, but like an ancient Eternal or Celestial or something. And uh, because of that, like he's basically wanted, like he is a deciding force lane. That'll be great. It'll make what I wanted to happen, happen. And also just give be a role that gives him plenty of material for several movies and not just a one and done role. Yeah, good. I'm taking a little peek at kind of like his get up and outfit and looking pretty slick. It almost looks like a um, Imperial Guard, like AST, mm-hmm. ATST Walker pilot <laughs> with some red gear and fashions out. It'd be super sweet. Yeah. And they don't have anybody fast. Like no, Quicksilver's goner. We so. had to. We, if we had to sacrifice Aaron Taylor Johnson to get Kamal Nanjani, was it worth it? Eh, sure, as long as Anto Jones goes on to be Batman, I guess. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, but is there anyone else that he could be? I mean, be interesting? of the people we know is in the movie, I mean, there's the rumored you know, gay character who's going to be potentially the male lead of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rumor is that Marvel also wants an openly gay actor to take that role. So I would assume that's not what Kumail is going to do. Um, there's the off... There's a slight chance, I guess, that he could be Icarus, who is traditionally the lead character of the Eternals run. Um, and I think that'd be kind of fascinating just to see. I mean, they can obviously change the look a little bit, but give Kamea like longer hair and, you know, turn him into like a true like <laughs> physical specimen would be kind of funny to see. But I, I just feel like Makari is such the perfect fit because he can just be um, he, Kumail can basically keep his natural frame that he has uh, and just be just a. Not a total supporting character, but he can be like the yeah, a great co lead. Uh, yeah, a great co lead who adds some nice one liners here and there, but also has some heart and um, some his own some of his own troubles that he's dealing with as well. So, All right. as far as uh, my original fan cast goes, I was actually submitted just for reference. Blake Jenner was who I picked, so I was going the comedic route anyways. They just went a, a little older and uh, probably honestly a little better casting anyways with Kumail as well. So uh, very happy about Kumail joining the MCU. We'll move on from that news to Ticket or Skip It, where we have a bunch of trailers to talk about this week, but only one of them can get our ticket. 
Those trailers include the first trailer for The Dead Don't Die, a special look at Avengers Endgame, the first trailer for Joker, the second trailer for Extremely Wicked, ex- uh, Shockingly Evil and Vile or something, um, as well as the first trailer for My Spy. Josh, which one of these trailers is getting your ticket this week? Uh, I'm, 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 of course, giving it to The Dead Don't Die. Like, you would have to be nuts to pass up on this movie <laughs> like in a lot of ways but first of all my main man adam driver is in this film um and he is doing his deadpan he's doing um just he's just moseying through the movie with none other than bill murray uh, and there's tilda swinton there's steve buscemi um iggy pop is a, a zombie looking for coffee uh and selena gomez is quipping in it uh this movie actually kind of feels like it was filmed like five years ago yeah it's weirdly just not um, engaging with the star persona of anyone in it. And I find that like fascinating and fun and potentially like super entertaining all the way through. But it looks like an American Shaun of the Dead in a lot of ways where it's, 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 it's having deadpan fun with the notion of zombies. And I am 1 million percent here for it all the way through. Um, it's it's going to be worth it just to watch Adam Driver you know, club talk about ghouls, talk about ghouls and all sorts of things like that. I mean, there's Danny Glover in here as well. I don't know. I'm probably forgetting some other people. I mean, yeah, the cast is pretty stacked. Yeah. And it's good. I am, I'm just so looking forward to it. Um, because it, first of all, it's going to be like one of two dramatically different roles for three dramatically different roles for Adam driver this year. And so what's the other one besides star Wars? Um, the report. Oh, that's right. Which will weirdly win him his Oscar in the year of <laughs> Kylo Ren. It's a little, it'll, it'll be great. And, um, go check the trailer out, friends of film, Twitter feed. Yes. It's perfect. Uh, I'm going to give my ticket as much as I really enjoyed that. The dead don't dry, uh, die trailer as much as I thoroughly enjoyed the Avengers Endgame special. Look, I talked about it before. I can't give any more tickets to it. I've already done. I've already booked two showtime seat opening weekend. It's got my money already. <laughs> literally. Um, I'm going to give my uh, ticket to the Joker or not, or not the Joker, just Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because it actually like it, it made me a lot more interested in the movie than I was to begin with. I mean, there was some built-in interest just based on, okay, it's walking Phoenix playing the Joker. That should be pretty fascinating on its own. But mm-hmm. then we see kind of how they're going about this and the, the tragedy of the Joker by, while also hopefully not making him completely sympathetic, but I just thought the trailer was really well edited, really well uh, put together. The cinematography looks pretty striking and Joaquin's performance just looks off the charts. So it went from a movie that I was like, I mean, I'm going to see it no matter what to a movie that like, I am genuinely interested in checking out. It could go off the rails. It could do everything wrong with the Joker that I don't want the movie to do. That is still obviously possible. Um, I still hold those reservations, but just based on the trailer, it looks, it looks pretty solid. Yeah, it definitely doesn't look like it will be terrible or a disaster or Mm -hmm. anything like that. It has all of those parts to it. Um, But yeah, I just, man, the premise is still so strange Mm -hmm. to me that I feel like I got to see more of this and hear more about it. I think the the one thing that I've continued to be thinking about is that, like, what would I be thinking about this movie if it wasn't called Joker? What if it was just called... Mm Mm-hmm. If you could remove that insanity entire idea from your mind. Right. Like it was just, okay. It's um, Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix doing a movie about a deranged serial killer and how he gets to that point. I'm like, okay, that sounds fascinating, Mm -hmm. but it's because it's the Joker. And you're like, well, I don't, 
you're not supposed to like the Joker. You're not supposed to know about the Joker. Their expectations. Yeah. But if you remove those expectations, that's where I think the interest can be. And because, again, this is an Elseworld story. This isn't connected to Matt Reeves as the Batman or Ben Affleck's Batman or anything. Like, this is 100% on its own. That's probably Bruce Wayne that he is putting his fingers in and making his, his, his smile as, as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you can accept that this is obviously not going to be a comic book accurate version of Joker. This is going to be a different interpretation, its own interpretation and go along for, it. I think a lot of people, including myself will probably be uh, pretty impressed with it. I hope it'll be fascinating to see this movie when it comes out. That's for sure. Right. And he definitely has the stride down. There's a shot of him running down that alleyway. Yeah. And I just crack up laughing at it because it's so Joker in the, but it was also so, I want to say cartoonish Mm -hmm. the way he's, his limbs are flailing. Like it just says crazy. Yeah. And he's just running away. And he's got a great laugh in the trailer too. Laugh is good, but I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to see and talk about it more. Yes. I mean, I'm sure no matter what, whether you go in with an open mind as I'm going to try to do, or if you go and say, all right, this is DC's Joker movie. I want to see what they're going to do about the Joker. And they totally changed the origin or totally changed his relationship with the Waynes or something. Um, and you hate the movie as a result. I'll be interested to see the discourse around it. And if that's regardless. your attitude, then yeah, you shouldn't even be paying attention to movies in general. Well, yeah, that's how people <laughs> will be. So uh, let's move on to the flyby here to wrap up this episode, going back to a story I teased before uh, that deadline revealed that Dave Batista has signed on to star in Zack Snyder's action zombie Netflix movie, Army of the Dead. So this is the movie that he will be shooting at the same time that The Suicide Squad is filming as well. So he can't do both projects. Look like he went with this one, a leading role uh, with Zack Snyder. And I think that this is a fascinating pairing uh, and hopefully one that gets Dave Bautista into like a true action role, which I know he's been doing on the smaller scale on indies and stuff. But I mean, I'm ready for like, a Zack Snyder, Dave Batista movie. Like it, like Dave's always been talking about wanting to do a Gears of War movie. I think he'd be great in the lead role of that. Mm-hmm. And if that can't happen, just pop him down in Las Vegas against a bunch of zombies and give him some weapons and let's go to town. Yeah. It's a, the first casting we have for mm-hmm. his film too. So it's only going to get bolstered from here or, I mean, depending on who shows or whatever the case is, but it's a good first pick. It is. Uh, we also got casting this week straight from Vin Diesel himself. He revealed on his Instagram that he has joined the casts of the Avatar sequels, and he was uh, posted a video on set with James Cameron talking about how he's always wanted to work with James Cameron. Now they're doing it on these new movies. What do you think uh, of Vin Diesel joining? Do you have any expectations on his role potentially? Well, is that well, here's the thing about his role. We're just learning about this now. Mm-hmm. That probably means that he's been on set for the live action shots then, correct? If he is a live action character, then yes. If he is well, a live action character, it would jive also, well. But also, he would do mocap as well because all of the characters like uh, Zoe Saldana was on set for months doing mocap stuff. So I guess, yeah, no matter what, Vin should have been on set before suppose that's a really big secret to keep yeah that's weird that would have come this late so perhaps a small role now moving forward larger they're shooting all these movies right now correct yes they were already done with i'm trying to remember the production schedule where they i think they filmed two and three did the mocap stuff finished those and then they did the live action stuff Mm -hmm. a couple months ago and that's when we got i don't remember her name but we had a casting uh like late last year early this year 
that somebody had joined right as I think production moving to New Zealand uh, to do live action stuff. And now it looks like they're back doing mocap CGI stuff. So maybe that's the reshoots for two or this is they're starting on three and or the work is starting on four and five. And so yeah. we're not going to see them until 2023 or whatever. That's right. Because Kate Winslet joined late in the live action process. Is that correct? Who did? Kate Winslet. No, no. Kate Winslet joined early. It was, I, don't know, I can't remember her name, but it does. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure who it was. Okay. Fair enough. But um, for sure makes it exciting. Cause like, who knows what he'll do, but like, we haven't seen Vin Diesel in a while have to do a character. Yeah. He's been Vin Diesel and he is, yeah, I he's, am he's Groot. Just, he's just been Dom and Groot. That's it. And so hopefully he's a live action character and we get to see this guy act because he's been in Hollywood a while. And like, I mean, I know he's done roles, but mm-hmm. he's settled into some just very Vinny stuff. So I'm ready to see him act again. Yeah. Act differently anyway. <laughs> Maybe he'll be, he'll pair up with Stephen Lang and they'll be, they'll hunt down the Navi together. Eddie Falco. Yes. Was she the, she was also the late joiner. That's who I was talking so about. So maybe these are. This is, and she was supposed to be like a government agent or something, I yeah, believe. So, so interesting. Diesel could be the muscle of behind them, I guess, potentially. I don't know. We'll have to wait and find out, I guess. Uh, but we also got official images from Terminator Dark Fate this week, uh, which is the official title of the new Terminator movie directed by Tim Miller. Uh, they came from IGN. We got six of them all focused on the cast any major takeaways from you other than Mackenzie Davis looks completely shredded and dope? She is going to destroy so many T9s. I'm assuming she's good. Yes. I, believe I would hate to see her not be good because that, I don't want to root <laughs> against her in this movie. That's for sure. Well, that's the thing. If she's, if she's bad, I'll be rooting for the bad guys, I guess. Yeah, it's time to turn it over. I was like, I was like sorry, sorry, Sarah Connor, your, your time's up. <laughs> the endoskeleton. Like, you can see, like I guess they, they kind of like like define her muscles with like, like, like some outlines or something yeah. like that. So she's definitely some kind of good robot, I assume. Yes, I believe she is a cybernetic human uh, hybrid from the future. Yeah. Who then comes very cool to the present day to team up with them. Anyway, th- this is looking phenomenal. I mean, mm-hmm. just in terms of texture and like, it, it doesn't look like it's veering too far away from what you think of and it tries to terminate our movie. Yeah. Um, it very much feels like that color scheme that Tim Miller set up in Deadpool. Like in a lot of ways that gr- there's a grip and grime to it, mm-hmm. but um, it looks like a really good, I don't know, like I want to say adventure, but it's gonna I feel like I feel like I can feel the scope already. Yeah, and I really hope it follows through and delivers that. Um, and then lastly, THR report this week that Jessica Henwick will co-star with Dona Bryan in Monster Problems, a romantically tinged sci-fi movie uh, about Dona Bryan going across a monster. Um, infested landscape to find the girl of his dreams but then jessica henwick's character has more than meets the eye initially obviously um but mike rooker is also set uh to be part of this cast as well and even though i'm not really familiar with this property at all or what the story is going to be i am just excited about the fact that jessica henwick and dylan o'brien two very talented action stars are going to be working together on an action movie and hopefully we'll have their skills put to use in a good way in this property yeah i'm not too familiar with too much familiar with her outside of like Game of Thrones, which mm-hmm. is just very minimal. I haven't seen any of the Iron Fist seasons, but it sounds like she's been working hard and like finally landing something substantive that can make an impact. So yeah. good on them. Uh, but that is all we have for this week. Next week, 
We'll be back with a review of Missing Link, the latest anime movie from Laika, the anime studio that brought us such treasures as uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. Zach Galifianakis, Hugh Jackman, Zoe Saldana all have voice roles in it. Josh, is there anything in particular that you're excited about for this movie? Hugh Jackman? <laughs> That's about really it. I mean, it's been a while since, like, I don't know. He just looks like there's the greatest showman was the last thing I've seen him in. I skipped the front runner. Same. Um, you know, I know this story. I really don't need to be, have it told to me again and again mm-hmm. and again. So I am very, I don't know, I'm interested to hear his voice again and his <laughs> acting and everything like that. Um, and also Zach Galifianakis as Missing Link. I don't know. It just looks charming all the way through. Um, I have avoided reviews so far, so I'm definitely ready to see it. Because I always appreciate their blend of like, like yeah, stop motion and animation, yeah. animation together to make... To, to get fluidity, but also retain, you know, um, just those ideas and motions and things like that. So, yeah. So, yeah, Missing Link, go check it out this week when it opens in theaters. We'll also be back with a big question, as we mentioned, on top of the show, finishing up our best sci-fi fantasy films of the last decade, going into the Final Four, the winner, and also calling out some snubs as well. So that should be a lot of fun, and then we'll get back into some other big questions in future weeks. But in the meantime, be sure to tell us your thoughts if you covered by Trace Africa's film. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, at MovieCooper. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review with comments. Tell us why you enjoy listening to the show. Thanks again for tuning in to the Defense Film Podcast. Josh, thank you for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes. <laughs>